2: Welcome to Mariella Meets. I'm Mariella Frostrup and each week I'll be bringing you a selection of the best interviews from our favourite guests. Movers and shakers from the worlds of art and entertainment, politics, business, music and wider society to discuss everything from their latest endeavours to career highlights and early beginnings. Intimate, in-depth talk with pioneering talents and fascinating folk discussing the stuff that matters to them and how they scaled the slippery slopes of success. Beth Rigby, the Sky News political editor, has been in the thick of British politics for a tumultuous six years. She's covered Brexit, two general elections, two Tory leadership battles and a global pandemic. She's known for asking the questions the public wants answering and holding politicians to account perhaps most famously in her blistering interview with the prime minister last month over party gate well, hopefully we'll be getting plenty more of those moments in her new interview show on sky news beginning this thursday and as you'll hear there have also been moments when she's found herself in the spotlight for breaking rules during the pandemic beth we're incredibly excited to have you on the program today it being international women's day as well um But I know we're speaking to you after 13 days uh, where all of us have been pretty much gripped by the the conflict in Ukraine. And uh, I'm sure like us, you've had to throw out running orders and features and plans and ideas and so on to to quite rightly focus on the conflict. I wondered what's been a priority for you in terms of reporting
0: on it? From my end, we've been obviously covering what's the prime minister doing? What's the domestic response? What are leaders doing? But I feel a bit helpless if I'm honest. Um, You know, I go to bed worrying about it. I wake up in the morning to check my phone to see what's happened. I'm obviously contacting my colleagues out there. My very good friend, Deborah Haynes, who worked for a long time at The Times and I worked with her at The Times. Uh, She's in Ukraine at the moment. So I, you know, I watch her endlessly and worry about her a lot, basically
2: it's difficult isn't it because absolutely one can't complain you know from the comfort of of where we are but it's quite difficult to stop it seeping through into your subconscious into it sort of haunting every every waking and indeed sleeping moment to an extent why why do you think it's it's been so affecting
0: honestly Marietta, you're so right i mean i on saturday last weekend i i'm blessed with being able to sleep well which is really nice
2: I don't like Uh, you for that that's one thing I don't like you for (laughs) yeah
0: oh there's I've got I've got lots of things I don't do very well but sleep (laughs) but um uh, and I woke up at like one in the morning on Saturday night um and I just couldn't I just couldn't sleep because I was so worried about it and I think you're right I think it has seeped into all of our consciousness um the view in figures for sky have gone through the roof because people have switched on um i imagine as the war goes on they might switch off again because it's actually just nearly impossible to watch it isn't it um and be so helpless um but obviously it's um i mean it's changed everything because who thought in the 21st century that we would have a war in europe where the biggest country in europe invades the second biggest i mean it's upturned decades of peace I never thought I would see it in my lifetime and we all have to, we're all having to recalibrate our view of the world how we've lived and it's confusing I find it confusing and really discombobulating you know and even my kids you know my kids don't you know we have news on all the time at home because I watch news constantly but my children have been asking me about it and normally they um they just think i go and do that thing and then they're they're not interested at all which is actually gorgeous in itself do you ever uh, worry I could...
2: about that um, I, I have to it's say it, only in the last few few days I've, I've really started thinking about how much i do listen to the news yeah. which is almost non-stop and it's yeah. in my kitchen morning noon and night and you think of a sort of generation of kids growing up at the moment with yeah. with 24 hour yeah. access and their parents kind of addicted to this 24 hour access does it d- does it ever worry you in terms of of what you're what you're reporting or well, what, what you're I... foisting on them?
0: Well, look, I had a, I had this, a very real experience because you know you saw this terrifying, horrific report about Stuart and our team in in Ukraine that were fired at, were shot at, and Stuart, our chief correspondent, was hit. Uh, Richie, his cameraman, took two rounds of bullets in his, his body armor. I mean, it's they were in a car. I, it's a miracle that they they survived that um, and. So we they they ran out a report on friday night and obviously it was all after watershed and my daughter sort of came in the room and i sort of screamed at her i was like get out of the room and i i just thought god i, I actually maybe need to yeah maybe i need to not have this on around the children so I, i'm trying not to do that but i can't um i can't stop watching it and i can't bear to watch it There's, i'm sure you feel the same it's absolutely horrific
2: Absolutely. You talked about um, it being priority changing, and of course, you've got a, an incredible knack, a, a much celebrated knack for cutting through politicians' chatter and, and getting right to the nub of the issue. Um, in terms of the nub of the issue at the moment, what's the thing that, that, that you most want to know?
0: How it ends how so the thing that I am thinking a lot about at the moment and had I got a quest as a press conference yesterday and I wasn't called but that was fair enough because it was the Dutch Prime Minister the Canadian Prime Minister and Boris Johnson our Prime Minister and they called you know broadcasters from Canada the Netherlands the UK fine but the question I would have asked is you keep talking about sanctions you keep offering more military support to Ukraine but actually won't fully commit to to actually helping them defeat you know defeat Putin with 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 direct military intervention and it's escalating and what I want to know is how do does it how do you de-escalate this what's Putin's off-ramp that's that's what I want to know and want to understand
2: You've been at the at the forefront of, I mean, and this is just a, another instalment, really, in a, in a way, you know, at the forefront of a, a really tumultuous six years in, in British politics and beyond. I think since you joined Sky News uh, as political correspondent, we've had the saga of Brexit, uh, we've yeah. had a global pandemic, and now, of course, a, a war in Ukraine. I wondered how much pressure uh, you feel uh, knowing that people are, are, are trusting you with information and analysis, and 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 how much pressure that comes from from wanting to find the thing that people want to know
0: when you're so sometimes if you stop and you think what am i doing and what's the profile of this and i'm on the television every day at the covid press conference it becomes a bit overwhelming so i don't think of it like that i just go into what's the task for today and what do i have to do so so i i i i i break it down because otherwise if you actually look where you're standing you know i just swear i'm going to fall off um so but but what i do is um i think really hard what i always try and do is i think really hard not about what i'm interested in per se but what do i think given the current news agenda of that day or what's going on what what do i think that the public will want to know and i think really carefully about that i spend a lot of time preparing questions even when it's just one question and that's where that's always where i start and end the 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 process which is what do i think matters to viewers um and then i try and answer it i i try and ask a question around that and and in COVID, it was hard Mariella, because everyone was extremely anxious, especially, you know, in the first lockdown, everyone was locked down at home. And then these press conferences became this moment of the day where the public got to see politicians, uh, they got to hear about what was going on with the, what was going on with the pandemic how their lives how, what would what was going to happen to their li- like sometimes in their livelihoods you know was the government going to put the furlough scheme in what were they going to do for self-employed people i mean it was it was actually really fraught wasn't it when i look back on it and so we had this enormous responsibility to ask questions that people felt were relevant and and sometimes we got it right and sometimes we got it wrong um but we, d- I guess, we did the best we could. But but at that point, everyone had a point of view of how you were doing it, and that was really that was difficult because you felt sometimes you were damned if you did and you damned if you didn't. You just have to carry on.
2: And you're also renowned for taking no prisoners, not even the Prime Minister. You've been at the heart of a couple of viral moments, but um, I suppose in particular uh, your interview with the Prime Minister over party gate in which he claimed he he wasn't aware that it was a social gathering uh, in his garden. Um, You seemed uh, really angry. How personally uh, do you take... The sort of day to day politicking that people have become quite cynical about. Do you think it's important to remain angry?
0: It's funny you say I was angry because I again I was just in the moment of these are the questions that I need to t- to ask him, and I was quite. There were two things that had happened that day. The, the night before, Dominic Cummings had made some allegations about the prime minister definitely did know that about that event in the in the run up to it. And then also there had been the two parties, the two alleged parties that the Met are investigating uh, on the night before Prince Philip's funeral. And the prime minister had not. To, to, the prime minister, I should say, wasn't at Downing Street when that happened. He was actually at Chequers, But even so, that, that had to ask him that. So. I really that interview was more a case of these are the six things that I need to put to him. Um, and I, you know, I think what I said to him was, you know, the idea that you didn't realise that it was a party was silly because anyone talking about trestle tables in a garden with booze on them would would say it was a party. I mean,
2: um... it wouldn't be a very professional meeting, would it?
0: <laughs> no so it was just it was just more just trying to be I was just trying to be quite forensic about it and methodical um about let's go through all these steps and see where we we end up with,
2: with that interview is it is it stressful though um you know in in, in a way representing the conscience of the nation in terms of uh, you know holding power to account and then you know you had your own mini party gate scandal very yeah. mini by comparison uh, do you feel a, a sort of sense of responsibility to lead an entirely blame free life in order that you can point out the hypocrisies uh, you know in terms of in, in those in, in positions of power in our lives
0: I, I do and actually that's why um that's why what happened in December 2020 and the sort of consequence of that when I went to an event I shouldn't have gone to, um that's why it, it it was very it was very sore for me and I felt very, very bad bad about it because I was worried it would undermine my ability to do my job with integrity. Um so actually that that whole incident sort of taught me quite a lot about being a, I'm a public figure and I'm held to standards because I'm a public figure and I have to live up to those standards. And it, and to be honest, it it starts and ends there.
1: Ready to pop the question. The jewelers at blue Nile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments.
2: It's International Women's Day, as as I said at the beginning of our, our conversation. And I, I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about how you think your sex has informed your career <laughs> and, and, and your choices. I mean, the, the one thing that there's no getting away from is that for most women, uh, you know, the ability to... Uh, Uh, juggle the domestic and the workplace is uh, you know a a, a difficult demand and one that that that, you know they find very challenging and I think that you've slightly simplified things in your household and I wonder how much you think that contributes to you being able to just get on and do your job
0: hugely I mean you know I couldn't do uh, Angelo my partner uh, it's funny, on Wikipedia says we're married, and I'm like, he still hasn't asked me to marry him. I mean, it's very rude. <laughs> we're not married. He's probably too busy because he's having to run the house. He's too busy running the house and keeping me on track, yeah. But Angelo's a, a bit older than me, um, and he was a graphic designer. And then when uh, my career kind of got a bit more intense, should we say, you know, my kids were, I don't know, six and, six and nine. Oh, no, no, they were younger, you know, My daughter must have been about five, my son about eight. Um, Anyway, Angelo completely stopped working and now is um, a house husband and basically keeps the show on the road. I mean, if it wasn't for Angelo, I couldn't do... I couldn't do what I do. I was an absolute
2: wonder. There'll be women out there thinking, oh, what a fantastic luxury. I'd love to have that. But, but you'll know better uh, than, than most that that comes uh, at a price as well. So what is it that, that, that drives you and that makes that sacrifice, the one of, of not having those intimate moments with your kids as often as you might want to have and, and, and so yeah. on and so forth, that makes that worth it in terms of the satisfaction you get from work?
0: I haven't really thought about it in those terms I don't I think if I stopped and thought god am I missing out on all these things with my kids maybe I wouldn't be able to do the job I do when I was growing up I guess you learn from what you knew as a child right and my mum who my mum I've lost my mum my di- my mum died when she was in her early 60s um sorry my mum was a head teacher and I, I grew up in this place called Penn, which is in Bucks, which, which was pretty middle class, right? And my dad was a businessman. And my mum was a teacher and became a head teacher. And my mum just worked really hard. And I remember I had a friend called Jo, who's still a really good friend of mine, and her mum, June, um, every weekend, June would take us somewhere. We'd go to Marley, we'd go to the swimming pool. She ta- And I was like, God, June's really great. My mum never takes me anywhere or does anything. God, my mum. But my mum, because my mum worked all the time, and when I was a child, I sort of resented it. And then, as I became a young woman, I was like, "Wow, my mum is an absolute trailblazer. Like, my mum is the thing. My mum's amazing." And I guess, uh, and I was extremely close to her, especially as I as we as I got older. And so, I guess for me, it's just what I know. It's just what it's just what women do. Like, what women in my life did. Her mum worked. My aunts, her, her sisters worked. Every All the women I knew were really strong, working, driven women. I guess, how do I put it about the kids? I know that if I'm not there, Angelo's there and he's their dad, so that's okay. Does that make sense? Like, I know that, they couldn't be loved more than they're loved by the person that's at home loving them. So, really, I feel uh, slightly hypocritical even asking you because you know there are very few
2: men I'd be asking this question of. But, no, but, I, but I think it's because it's uh, you know International I, Women's Day, and and I think it is unique to women this this struggle between those two roles.
0: Also, Maria, I don't. It's funny because some women take a view. What women in my position, women working women, like that. The, oh, isn't it patchy You know, ask women, but actually, I like talking about it. Because other women then listen to it and they go, oh, that's how she makes it work. Because everyone thinks, she's just some superwoman, she has these children, she does this job, and it's it's not everything is a choice and a sacrifice, but you can make it work. I'm going to veer
2: dangerously close to fashion now because you have oh. got a, a really unique signature look. But what I was wondering was, you know, you've talked about the fact that there's that there's the sort of on-screen you and then there's the off-screen you, and you're surprised yeah. sometimes when people recognise you as you slope into work in your in your tracksuit with your beanie yeah. on and you haven't got your red lipstick on and, you know, your hair's hidden by your hat and so on. I wondered how much it, it's a sort of uniform uh, for you, a kind of... Of yeah, armor plating uh, because the other the, the the tracksuit wearing beanie person is 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 Beth Rigby and the other one is Beth Rigby.
0: It's like Beth Rigby on steroids. You're at. You're, I mean, you've hit the nail on the head. And actually, I mean, I remember even when I worked at the Times, you know, the bright lipsticks were always there. I mean, they just kept. You know, they got. That's that Anna Murphy is, for you. She's got them no, all around the building no, for women no, to pick up. <laughs> yeah, it is. a it, Look, it is, of course, it's a, it is a bit of a a uniform and it is a bit of, um, it's a performance in a way, being on television, of course. It and when I get my lipstick on and I've got my hair and I've got my, pa- you know, I've got my jacket, I think really carefully about what I wear. Like yesterday, I was very pleased with myself because I'm in the show and like, oh, it's this big press conference today and the world leaders are here. And then I thought, oh, it's, it's Justin Trudeau of Canada. I'll wear, I'll wear red and white. I'll go in Canadian colours. So I was really, I thought I was real. I was like, oh, he's definitely going to call me now. I look like a Canadian flag. Uh, he did not call me, but never mind. Darn, I hate it when that he scheming matters. doesn't work. I, also, I've always loved, I mean, I know I've been joking about my kind of beanies and stuff, so, but before I was on television, I spent a lot of time wondering about, thinking about what I was wearing when I was, now I just spend all my time thinking about what I'm wearing on television. And when I'm not on television, I want to just get rid of all of it and just literally put on my my comfies. But um, I remember when I was a younger woman and before I had kids and I had loads of time and money, me and my friend Lisa Hurley, who is uh, the most stylish woman I've ever known, we used to spend all our Saturdays in Selfridges, looking at shoes. That's all we... We'd like, oh, should we just go to the West End? And, you know, like coveting Prada shoes and stuff. And then, you know, I'd save up and I'd buy a pair and then I'd sleep with the... I'd put <laughs> them by my bed. Have you ever done that? i put them by my bed and I'd be like, in the morning, I'd be like, there they
2: are! I put a and pair on my bookcase once yeah. and, and had them there as a sort of thing, yeah. an object. I, my,
0: yeah, so I, I have long had a love of, um, of 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 fashion and now I'm really lucky because... um. I, you know, we have, we have a great, I have a great stylist at Sky called called Jane Field and, and she is brilliant. So she helps pick me, pick stuff for me and with me, which, you know, she just goes your look's going to be this, Beth, and I go off and do it. Well, this
2: is very helpful because it's distracting from the notion that you are completely invincible. Um, On that note, I wondered, we've talked about you wearing armour in terms of, you know, the look, the thing. Um, Do you ever feel afraid? Do you ever stop and think before you ask or are you so gripped by you know your 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 hunt for information that that you forget to be afraid when you're calling to account you know people in positions of great power
0: no because i think if you start second guessing yourself you should just pack up and go home like that's you can't you have to be feeling i i was trained at the financial times you know before i was in television i worked at the ft for 18 years and the motto of the ft was without fear or favor and that's how i that was my training and that's how i do it and if i if i start pulling my punches or holding back on asking a question because i'm worried about the ramifications then I I, I I might as well pack up and go
2: home. There's no point. You'll know uh, that today John Barker has been found to be a, a serial bully and liar by an independent uh, inquiry. Yeah. Were you surprised by those
0: findings? What Have, have you had dealings? What I were your dealings with him? I haven't had... To be honest, I haven't... Um, I've just seen that on... Because I haven't looked... I've been doing other stuff. I haven't seen it today, but I've seen that the report has come out, which I think he's denied. Look, um, I... Uh, I was actually at an event in Parliament last night for women in Westminster and um, uh, one MP was was talking to me about him and his behaviour and certainly there are uh, women I know in, in Westminster that said that they had poor treatment from him. But personally, I did the interview programme for Sky with him in, in 2019 and he was utterly charming to me
2: just finally then uh, the new show um, where you're going to be pitting your wits uh, not just again I mean you know I have this thing I I spent most of my career interviewing people in arts and culture you know and celebrities rather than than politicians and in a way I find it easier to interview politicians because I think you can be as direct as you like as rude as you like as you know carefree as you like in a way because of the cut and thrust of politics but the new show you're going to be interviewing people who aren't in politics as well aren't you? you you can't i i think that you can't you have to show more restraint kindness oh. empathy etc but i'm wondering what you're what you're planning on and whether you're that interested in people's lives outside of the
0: people who can yes, change the world that's the point i am interested in people's lives i'm essentially very interested in people's lives and i'm very nosy and um and i like talking about everything that's not politics all the time and when i'm not doing politics And people want to talk to me about politics. I don't want to talk about that. So I am I thought actually it would be, you've worried me now, because I thought it would be easier than interviewing politicians because politicians are quite hard to extract answers from because they, you know, it's a kind of, it's a a defensive dance that we enter into. What about authors, though, and and filmmakers? Better. Authors are better. Uh, Yeah. Academics?
2: Yeah, yeah, anyone who has to sit alone in a room and do a lot of thinking because they're always quite grateful to be asked their opinion on things rather than be trying to hide things.
0: We'll see see how it goes.
2: Are you worried about your work-life balance? I think you already spend 14 hours a day on the phone. So now you've got a new show and your old job and the 14 hours a day to spend on the phone. So you say you sleep well. I'm wondering if maybe a couple of hours is all you
0: need. Do you know what I've had to do, Mariella? This is with with a heavy heart. (laughs) I've had to stop drinking alcohol. Yeah, I know. But for good, so, totally. Well, for well, basically I've got so much work to do, all I have time to do is work and then go home, you know, kiss sleeping children, go to bed, get up and do it all over again.
2: What makes it worth it?
0: That's a good question.
2: Gucci shoes. <laughs> I never thought we'd expose you as so frivolous, Beth Rigby. Oh, absolutely. But I'm, I'm delighted we have.
0: <laughs> I'm completely frivolous. Um, <laughs> no, it's... Um, God, it's... Uh, I just love my job. I absolutely love it. I mean, I don't look... In all seriousness, I don't... I, I wake up every morning and I want to do what I do, and I think that's such a position of privilege to be able to do that. Um but I, you know, I'll probably, I'll be, I'll get, I'll, uh, I'll get back on the odd gin and tonic once we've got this show launched. But at the moment, you're right; it is extreme. It is extremely busy, um, but, it, but but in a good way, in a good way. But
2: well, look me up when you're ready for a cocktail, Beth Rigby.
0: Look, I'm, I'm <laughs> going to hold you, to that.
2: <laughs> Thanks for listening to Mariella Meets with me, Mariella Frostrup. There'll be more from the podcast next week, so make sure to download the free Times Radio app to never miss an episode. And don't forget, you can catch the live edition of my programme every Monday to Thursday, 1 till 4, on Times Radio. Catch you next time.